Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 98 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in this week's episode, we're discussing drinking coffee on the trail. Now, drinking coffee when you're out hiking is a bit of a quandary. Do you put up with bad coffee just because you're away from your fancy machine that we've now become so used to, or do you just give it up until you're back home because you're unwilling to sacrifice quality? Well, maybe you don't have to. This episode discusses options for making coffee on the trail from the just okay to this is pretty damn good. We'll also discuss some coffee alternatives if you want your caffeine fix without the hassle of having to make coffee. Now, anecdotally, there are a large number of coffee drinkers out there. In fact, when we conducted a recent survey online, 94% of survey the respondents drink coffee at, at any time. And of those, 86% of respondents drink coffee while hiking. And I think when we say while hiking, we didn't actually mean while you're actually moving, but when you're on a hike. <laughs> just just for those who are into the detail. <laughs> but it could be. Now, of those coffee drinkers, 64% take milk uh, with their coffee and 42% uh, take their coffee black. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the uh, – in fact, that's 106%, so that's doing pretty well there. Um, and um, 21% use sugar. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what happened with the survey results there, but there was an automatic automatic survey, so I don't quite know. Now, based on this coffee-driven activity, let's look at options for drinking coffee when you're out hiking. Uh, and I must admit, before we discuss this, Jill and I will both own up here to a degree of coffee snobbery, uh, me in particular. Oh, I don't uh, know about that. Where where I um, work, there are four coffee shops uh, within similar distance of the office. Uh, I've tried all of them and I will walk past two uh, to get my daily coffee. So that's a bit, bit of snobbery, snobbery just there, I think. So please don't be offended uh, if we uh, don't necessarily like the method of coffee that you're normally used to. Okay, so we're going to start from the lowest common denominator and work our way up. So let's talk about instant coffee. <laughs> yes, De- um, definitely rated lowest common denominator. Now, instant coffee is about as basic as you can get and can, can be broken up into two main categories. The first is powdered, uh, and this is this brown powdery stuff you tend to buy in the large tins. And this is typically what you get in large school groups or scouts or in remote areas where you're trying to get large quantities of coffee. It's cheap and it's easy, but typically this is not what you call high quality. Still in the instant coffee category, we've got the freeze-dried. This is higher quality coffee, but it's still instant. And for most white Anglo-Saxons of my generation, this was the good stuff. Uh, and this is this, this is what many of us grew up on, um, thinking this is what coffee was all about, and this is where 
we, we have to say thank you for immigration into this country, where a lot of European immigration uh, introduced good, co uh, good coffee to this country. Now, 23% of survey respondents drink instant coffee while out hiking. Now, I don't mind some of the freeze-dried coffees. Um, and in fact, I, I will actually, um, one of the coffees we tested for this, uh, this podcast and this, uh, this written article uh, version um, was actually quite reasonable. I really have to be desperate to drink it. Uh, and I would prefer to give up coffee altogether rather than drink instant coffee. Now, I, I think what you've done is given me much more information about instant coffee than I ever thought I would ever need um, and certainly wanted. Um, Freeze-dried or instant, I'm, I'm really not going to drink it. I, I would much prefer to do without. But there's often, obviously, a, as I said, 23% of survey respondents. It's a reasonable number that drink instant coffee. I guess it's easy. It, it is. And, you know, basically, at, you know, at, at, at the simplest, you just add one or two or even three spoons, depending on how, like, how strong you like your coffee, into a cup and pour boiling water on it. Um, it's, it's simple. It's easy. Um, it's no fuss. Now, taking this up a step, uh, our next level is coffee bags. Um, normally, the coffee that's used in coffee bags tends to be a much higher quality. Um, it, they usually come in their own little sealed individual bags, so you don't need to worry about having a special container uh, like you would do with the freeze-dried or the powdered coffee to keep the moisture out of it. Um, and I must admit, I actually prefer freeze-dried coffee over coffee bags. Uh, this is strange. Uh, I think a lot of people prefer the coffee bags. I don't get coffee bags because they don't. I think they're expensive and they don't taste much better. I don't know what it is. Like they look better, they smell better, absolutely smell better, um, and you can tell they're darker. So you can tell there's a decent amount of a, amount of coffee in there, but it just doesn't work for me. I don't get it. Yeah. So, and the strange thing is, twenty five percent of survey respondents drink um, uh, coffee bags uh, while they're out hiking. So, you know, there's, this is a, a higher percentage than the instant coffee. Uh, but if I had to choose between the two, I'd actually pick the freeze-dried coffee on this one. Uh, but I think I'm probably going to be in the minority there. So, Tim, did you look at the cost difference between the freeze-dried and the coffee bags? I didn't go into in fine detail, but I know, um, um, I think... I don't know. I mean, good quality uh, freeze-dried coffee um, probably is not as cheap as, say, the really cheap and nasty instant coffee. Um, so it's probably reasonably comparable. But then you've also got good quality uh, uh, coffee bags as well. We had a number of people uh, recommend Jed's coffee bags, which come from New Zealand. And that, in fact, that's where we ended up having to order them from because they're not readily available uh, in Australia. Um, and um, I think uh, given the landed cost, uh, I think it ended up being 40 coffee bags cost me landed around about a dollar per bag. Um, so I think you, know, you compare that to a good quality freeze-dried coffee, uh, it's probably around about, I'd say, probably two to two and a half times the cost yeah, um, yeah. As, as a rough guide. Uh, and as I said, from my perspective, if I was going to, I'd, I'd pick one of the, the good quality uh, freeze-dried coffees. Uh, it's just, I don't know what it is. I just prefer it if I have to have to drink it. Well, there's certainly less rubbish. 
That's true, and that's the thing with coffee bags that um, you know the, there is no rubbish um, apart from the container that it actually comes in. Uh, and if you seal it into, say, a Ziploc bag or a plastic container, uh, that's going to come out with you anyway. You mean when you use freeze-dried rather than the coffee bags? No, no, I mean, I think, um, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, you're right. So, um, yeah, so with um, instant coffee, um, there really is no 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 rubbish as such. The coffee bags, it's the little foil pouch or the little um, foil packet that they come in um, that you need to take back out with you as rubbish. Mm. Fairly lightweight, but it's still it's still rubbish that you have to deal with. Now, from here, we go up to filter coffee. Uh, and I think uh, for a lot of Australians, particularly older Australians, they're used to the, the paper filters. Uh, you either sit into a cup directly or there's some sort of little external frame or cone that you sit these things into. Uh, you put your coffee in and you pour water over it and it slowly drips into it. Um I must admit, I'm not a big fan of the paper filters. Uh, and one of the things that we tried uh, or, or sampled uh, as part of the this coffee uh, podcast and article was the MSR coffee and tea filter. Uh, and if you have a look at the written version of this article, it's a, a, a small, looks like a small cup that's made of a, a bronzy coloured mesh. Um, uh, and basically all we needed to do was to sit it into the cup uh, put some coffee in there and pour the boiling water over it. It's like a super fine sieve. It Finally is. Finally got that out. <laughs> it is. And I must admit, I um, I usually drink plunger coffee at home, uh, and I found this um, putting the coffee into the little uh, uh, filter, the, the sieve filter, um, I think the taste was reasonably comparable. Um one disadvantage with the filters, particularly this little MSR filter, you're not going to just shove it into your pack because you're likely to destroy it. So I think um, realistically it needs to sit inside a uh, hard cup of some type uh, just to keep it protected. Uh, and that is going to give you a few extra grams. But given the actual sieve itself weighs around about 28 grams, uh, it's not a lot of extra weight. And even adding a slightly more robust cup of some type uh, means that you're, uh, you're 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 going to keep it protected and you're going to get reasonably good quality coffee out of it. Well, the quality of the coffee depends on the quality of coffee you're using, though, doesn't it? It yeah. it does, and this is where once you're going into the filter coffees, you've got the really cheap and nasty up to the the high grade, expensive sort of coffees. Jill and I, for a number of years, have been using a, a hazelnut coffee. It's just something we like. Uh, and have gotten used to, um, and as I said, it comes out the same whether we use it uh, in the plunger coffee or um, in the little in the little filter. So it's a good option for us uh, either through this or the next method we're going to go through and talk about. And we found that eleven percent of hikers use filters of some type. Now, our next type is plunger coffee, or it's what the Americans call French press. Um, and this is what we tend to do when we're at home. We've always used this type of coffee. We haven't succumbed to the big fancy uh, espresso machines that people have gone to these days. This is very 1980s, Tim. It, it, it is. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's 1970s, I don't know. Uh, and, and it took us a number of years to find a brand that we were really happy with. And yeah, and certainly when we forget to get coffee at the supermarket and we have to go and buy something at the local store, we cope with it, but we really do miss what we're used to. Now, this coffee tastes just the same on the trail as it does at home, and we use the Jetboil 
plunger, uh, which fits into their stove units. Um, MSR also produce um, uh, 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 plunger units for their stoves. Um, and for the sake of 30 grams, these little um, plunger units actually fit inside the stove and pack away so you don't have any additional bulk. Uh, and for the sake of 30 grams extra. Now, the drawback here is you've got a bit of extra cleaning. So whereas I normally would boil water uh, and pour it into a drink container, in this case here, you're actually making your plunger coffee in the actual pot itself. So it means you do need to rinse your pot out rather than just tipping it outside, tipping it upside down, letting it dry. Um, and you've got to give the the, um, the plunger unit a bit of a wash and clean as well. Now the only problem is that if if you've ever been to a conference where they've mixed up the water urn for making tea and the coffee urn, um, and you go to um, make a cup of tea and the water tastes like coffee. I reckon after a, after a bit of time of making your coffee inside your jet boil, you'll probably end up with a bit of coffee taste. So depends on what you do in your jet boil. We just boil water. Um, so, you know, if you're cooking, maybe that's not so much of an issue. Um, it'll absorb all sorts of different tastes. But, um, yeah, if you're only boiling water in your jet boil, uh, I, I'm not a real fan of doing your coffee in this way. Now, um, in relation to the people that use this type, um, we didn't actually break it down that finely when we asked the survey questions. And in, in hindsight, I would have done. But we had 18% of people use a machine of some type. And that includes uh, the plunger as well as the next couple or the next type of, uh, uh, of units we're going to talk about. Now, the next type, as I said, is machine coffee. And that's probably... Yeah, it's this. Um, the best way to describe this is the uh, the coffee machines that you're used to having in your kitchen. Now we're not talking about these big units that weigh kilos and kilos, and you plug into the wall. Yeah, it's a bit hard um, to find the electricity for that when you're out on the trail. I'm sure. I'm sure if you carry a big enough battery pack, you'd probably get away with it. But that's getting really serious. Now, um, people that are using these love their coffee more than they love reducing the weight in their pack. Um, uh, <laughs> or they're willing to leave something else at home, something, you know, important that we would think important um, and substitute the coffee and the little machine too. That's true. That could be the case. So we tested two types of uh, coffee machines and this was based on the survey results and also what some of our friends use. And these were the AeroPress and the Wakao Nanopresso. Um, now, both of these units produced reasonably quali quality coffee, with the Nanopresso being some of the best quality coffee I've ever had. And I must admit, I do like having these big coffee machines when I go to a conference. I will actually drink that sort of coffee. I think I find it really nice. And the little Wakao Nanopresso really did produce some really excellent quality coffee. Um, now, there's drawbacks in both of these types of machines. I found the AeroPress didn't produce any particular better quality coffee than, say, the uh, little filter um, sieve or the plunger. Um, and for the additional weight of these units, um, I wouldn't be inclined to get the AeroPress. I do use, as I said, a, a jet boil, uh, or I'd be quite happy to have the uh, little brass um, uh, type uh, little filter uh, over the uh, the AeroPress. 
The Wakao Nanopresso is in a different league altogether. As I said, it is really excellent quality coffee. With the big drawback here being here that as the unit in its little travel case weighs 419 grams, um, that's getting pretty 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 high in weight. It's half the, the weight of my uh, two-man tent that I take on solo hikes. Um, so you really want to love your coffee if you're carrying something like this or be willing to give up something else if you're trying to reduce your weight. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, these are the choices that um, you make. If you're doing a short uh, a short trip, you probably wouldn't mind too much, but uh, with that extra weight, um, or if it's a slightly longer trip, as, as you say, Tim, leave something else at home. Well, you wouldn't leave the tent at home, but... No, no. <laughs> One of the things that did surprise me with the Wakao unit was... Um, yeah, there's lots of little bits, and have if you go and have a look at the written review of this unit on our website, there is lots of little bits, but it's actually quite easy to use. Um, you know, I sat there and I read the instructions, and when I actually used it for the first time, it was quite simple. That second time, I didn't even have to think about it. I managed to disassemble everything, uh, give it a good clean, and put it all back together again. Um, and That's this great is, design. It is a great design. Um, so... Um, one of the things I'd say here is, you know, you've got something with little bits. So generally what it's going to mean is, you know, you you, fit, you have your coffee. Uh, probably you need to make it early when you get up or early before you go to bed. Uh, let all the little bits dry so you can pack it up and, and get ready to go the next day rather than trying to pack it away wet. Now, one of the other options um, for making coffee um, is using what's called cowboy coffee. And this is just by adding coffee to boiling water in your jet boil or your trangier or whatever type of stove unit you're using. I haven't tried this, I must admit. Um, and as Jill mentioned earlier, the outcome of this is going to depend on the quality of the coffee you're using. Um, I mean, you wouldn't do this with instant coffee because that's really just instant coffee in the pot. But you're using good quality coffee, um, putting it into the pot, um, letting it boil for a, a very short period so you don't burn the coffee, taking it off the boil and just letting the coffee absorb all the moisture and sink to the bottom. It means when you pour it out, you've got reasonably good quality coffee. You just need to avoid the grounds on the bottom. Uh, so, you, you know, you don't, it's a bit like anything, you don't take the, the last little last little sip off the bottom because it's going to be full of coffee grounds. It's like a good bottle of wine, isn't it? Um, and from what I can, <laughs> what I can find uh, doing research on this one, is that uh, people say it is a bit of an art as far as how much coffee you put in there, uh, how much um, uh, time you let it settle, um, and you know, and the temperature you're doing it at as well. So, and the steady hand of pouring. Yeah, so I think I think you do need to have a bit of a practice, and I think everyone's tastes are going to be a bit different here. So what one person says works for them may not work for you on this one. Um, but as I said, you know the, the whole issue of uh, if you're using a jet boil or you're using an MSR stove, getting the little um, plunger units is probably just as easier uh, and, and means you don't have to worry too much about the gritty, uh, gritty sediment at the bottom. Now, as we said, majority of people tend to have their uh, coffee black, uh, but I, and I must admit, using the Wakao Nanopresso, I would be quite happy to drink that black. It was actually that good. I still do prefer to have milk in my coffee. I don't add sugar at all. So for me, in relation to milk, 
Um, there's a couple of options. Um, uh, certainly when I go to work, I don't like using communal fridges, so I buy the little um, milk pods the five, that are about five mils uh, in capacity, and I find that they'll typically do me quite well for tea. But for coffee, I tend to end up needing two or three of these, and they weigh about 17 um, grams each. So I'm not going to take 54 grams of milk uh, for each uh, each round of coffee I'm going to take on a, on a hike. So... I must admit, I do tend to go um, to powdered milk. And when we talk about powdered milk, um, it's changed a bit since uh, I think we were kids and powdered milk was the most disgusting thing that you could ever imagine. Um, So you can actually get some quite decent quality uh, powdered milks. So I'll just throw that into the mix too. I must admit, I would actually recommend going for a full-fat powdered milk. Don't go for the the, the skim milk or the light milk. Uh, if you're trying to get something decent in powdered milk, go for the, the, the full-fat ones. Now, when we're talking about powdered milk, one thing that most people do, which is, it's just, which is a bit of a mistake when you're making uh, coffee or tea on the trail, is to make your coffee and then put a spoonful of powdered milk in there what you end up getting is these clumps of gloop, of gloop, um, <laughs> gloop. that are floating around there and take a while before that actually settles out and, 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 and turns into something reasonable to drink. So the recommendation here really is to add a small amount of water, turn it into a paste, and then add it to your coffee. Uh, so you're almost, you are turning it into milk virtually first rather than just adding powder to the, uh, to the system itself. And you need to use cold water. Yeah, to make yeah. that paste. Uh, now I um, I'll talk about hot chocolate in a moment, but uh, um, uh, there's I, I tend to do something slightly different there. Um, so the other additive that most people tend to think about is sugar. I haven't added sugar to my coffee for um, uh, probably over. In fact, it's been over forty years. Uh, I tend to take it without sugar. You can buy the little sachets of sugar, um, or if you next time you're going to a, a cafe, you just collect them. Uh, <laughs> I, I must admit, every time we get coffee, uh, when we go to a cafe, it always comes with these two little uh, uh, individual tubes, t- tubes tube, of tubes. coffee. And if I had have collected these, I'd, I'd have thousands of them by now. Um, but yeah, so either do that and take them home with you, or go go through and buy some that you know you take with you when you're home. Um. You can use other types of sugar as well, things like brown sugar, but it's better to have the own individual little packets because if you're trying to carry bulk sugar, it's going to get everywhere, it's going to get moist and it's going ants. to go off and, and ants as well. Ants. So, uh, and, you know, and attract wildlife. Uh, you know, they often like that sort of stuff as much as we do. Now, we've talked about coffee, um, but let's talk about coffee alternatives. Um, now, from my perspective... As much as I love coffee, I'll be honest here, I don't like cooking on the trail. I love cooking when I'm at home. I don't like cooking when I'm hiking. I find it it's just too much of an effort. I don't find it a social aspect. Um, if I'm hiking solo, I'll come in, I'll make my boil my water and have my my drink. Um, and then, you know, I've typically if it's dark, I've gone to bed a half an hour later. I don't want to be sitting there cleaning out the pans or preparing a meal and the same goes for coffee i think for me making coffee on a hike is the same as cooking i just find it a bit too cumbersome uh, and i'm happy not to have coffee when i hike 
Um, but as a result of this, um, I find that um, uh, the first I, I actually end up getting coffee withdrawals. And the first time this happened was um, in um, heading to Bhutan uh, in 2012. Uh, we were a day and a half into the trip. Uh, we were still at the airport by this stage after some long overnight delays. And um, I was getting this headache and I couldn't work out what was going on. And then it occurred to me that, right, I haven't had coffee for a day and a half. And without fail, that day and a half kicks in and I get a low-grade, lingering sort of headache for a couple of days and then it goes away. And it, and it did take me a while to realise that it was coffee withdrawal symptoms. So we tend not to drink coffee when we're um, hiking, uh, which means that we give up coffee a couple of days before we go somewhere um, so we don't get that headache while we're hiking. Uh, and... Let me just say, the sugar withdrawal is worse. So <laughs> just beware of that one too if you're a big sugar uh, eater. And we're not, um, but, you know, if you've, uh, uh, you know, sometimes when you're travelling somewhere and uh, you, you tend to overindulge in the lollies and what have you, a few days later when you don't have your lollies with you, you're definitely going to feel it. So as far as coffee alternatives for when you're hiking, there's a, a few different choices through here. The first one is chocolate-covered coffee beans. Now, no. I've, we, we, we've been eating these for over 20 years, um, and the first time that we came across them was from Haig's uh, Chocolate Store, which was uh, originally uh, based in South Australia and now tends to be a bit more available around the, the country. Uh, and I was, uh, Jill bought me back a 200-gram bag of these things from from a trip to, to Adelaide. And I basically devoured these things in the space of an hour. Um, so just imagine 200 grams of coffee beans Um yeah, not suggesting you do that. <laughs> no, I, I think I was actually vibrating for about two days. <laughs> I, I struggled to sleep that night uh, and I thought, oh, that's not not good because short of injecting caffeine into your veins, I think this is the quickest way of actually getting coffee, uh, caffeine into your system. Um, the other thing with it is that, you know, the dark, dark chocolate-covered coffee beans the, the dark chocolate tends to offset the bitterness of a coffee, so you get quite a good balance. So if you really do want your caffeine hit as opposed to your coffee, um, chocolate-covered coffee beans are a good option. Things like the Cliff Energy Shots or the GU Energy Gels, some of these do contain caffeine, and they'll contain reasonable quantities of caffeine, at least on a couple of these varieties. So again, if you don't want to make coffee but you still want your caffeine hit, um, this is something that, that it will give you that uh, option or give you that choice. For Jill and I, we'll typically replace um, coffee with uh, uh, tea and hot chocolate. Usually we'll have tea in the morning. Uh, and Usually again, herbal tea. Herbal tea, yep. Um, and we'll have hot chocolate at the end of the day, something sweet and a bit sugary uh, after a hard day's hiking. Um. And again, they tend to come in their own individual sachets, so you don't have to worry about keeping them uh, uh, protected. Um, 
if you still want to have coffee, you've got the option of having, say, mocha. And this is basically hot chocolate with a bit of instant coffee. So it gives you, you know, using the instant coffee, which is cheap and can be a bit bitter, the hot chocolate's got a bit of uh, sweetness to it, so it balances it out. So if you, um, you know, you can have the little sachets uh, of instant coffee and mix it with uh, the sachets of hot chocolate uh, and still get your caffeine hit if you, if you want to go that way. And as Jill and I said, give it up is an option altogether. So, uh, but yeah, be aware that if you're drinking a lot of coffee, you are likely to end up with at least a hangover uh, and poor sleep for a day or two into the into the trip. So do it before you go. The other thing I'd say here on coffee um, that applies to all hiking uh, activities is pack it in, pack it out. Uh, and by this, what we're saying is. Um, you know, if you've got coffee bags or you've got something that has generates a bit of rubbish, um, you really want to make sure that you take it out with you. Um, if you're using plunger coffee, coffee isn't a natural um, uh, thing that you find in the Australian bush. Might be a bit <laughs> might, might be a bit different if you're hiking in South America and there are coffee coffee plants there. That's fine, um, but yeah, so you know, the coffee grounds really should go into your into your um, uh, your your rubbish bag at the end of the trip. No, not at the end of the trip, trip, but as you're carrying them and um, collecting them along the way. As part of our survey, we asked our readers for some suggestions on what they can take or what they can do in relation to coffee on the trail. Uh, and there, we'll just go through and read a few of them just to give you an idea. So some of them are related to um, uh, filter mugs, and you can actually buy mugs that have built-in filters they're a bit heavier and a bit bulkier um, but I suppose really that's just taking the the little GSI filter we talked about and putting it into a hard cup but as a built-in unit so certainly this is an option you can look at as uh, if you want to go that way so we've uh, got a got a bunch of uh, suggestions here um, I like the ones that say drink tea um, that, that's a good idea. Um, someone suggested mixing Milo and Makono uh, coffee and putting some coffee mate in to replace the the milk and putting all of that in a, a Ziploc bag for each serve. That sounds like a good idea. Now, on, on that, I... Um on uh, my uh, my last year's Bibbleman track hike, one of the issues that I had to try and generate was to get a bit of um, protein into the system fairly quickly at the end of the day. And the recommendation from my dietitian was sustagen with full cream powdered milk uh, and, again, mixing through with water. And that was a, a quick way of getting some, some uh, reasonably high level of protein into the system um, quite easily. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier on, you... We, we tend to make that, put a small amount of water into it, make it into a paste, and, and then add the rest of the water. Otherwise, you get all these floating bits of uh, uh, of milk powder and, and hot chocolate powder. So we've got the suggestion of the cowboy coffee. Uh, we talked about fresh ground coffee, a good heaped dessert spoon, but depends on individual preferences, straight into simmering water in the pot, um, stirred gently for 30 to 60 seconds over heat. Uh, they say a type of crema will appear on the surface of the water, take off the heat, give it a minute for grounds to settle and drink straight from the pot. 
We had a couple of people, as we said, suggest Jed's coffee bags. And again, they come from New Zealand. Uh, and that's where we, in fact, got ours. But as we said, for us, it, they just didn't do it for us. They used to be available in Australia in the big supermarkets. But for some reason, they stopped bringing them in. And we don't quite know why that is. Um, and I suppose the last one is use good quality coffee. So whatever you use, whether it's instant, freeze-dried, plunger, it doesn't matter, use a good quality coffee. Uh, and you'll have something that you're used to, um, but you know, pick something that you like, whatever it happens to be, uh, rather than what somebody else likes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the good quality coffee is the way to go. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, we, we have got a suggestion that says, you know, remember you're on a trail and um, you know, don't expect too much. Um, what, what, to some extent, I agree with that. I would also say use something that's familiar. So if, if you are into your coffee, then use the, to the extent that you can, the coffee that you would normally drink. Um, otherwise do without, because it's not the experience that it's, it usually is. And you'll appreciate it much more when you come back into civilization. One final thing that I would suggest is have a play before you go. I mean, if, if you've been hiking for years and drinking coffee when you hike, you'll know what works for you. If you're new to preparing coffee on a hike, have a play. You know, Work out what coffee and powdered milk taste like. You may decide that the combination that you're used to doesn't work. You might change coffee brands and find one's better than the other. So again, if you haven't done this before, just have a bit of a play. Okay, so that's all for this week on Coffee on the Trail. We hope that's been a bit of help. Help to get hyped up on your hike. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, certainly go through if you have a look at the written article. We've done a number of reviews of some of the uh, the types of products that we talked about on this uh, this podcast, uh, and it will show you some pictures and, and some details uh, that it's a bit hard to show on the podcast. Now, in our next regular episode in two weeks' time, which is episode 99, we'll be discussing the impacts of hiking at altitude. So if you've ever thought about hiking in some of the South American locations, Nepal or Bhutan in Central Asia, or Kilimanjaro in Africa, this episode is going to be for you. As always, this episode is available to listen to from the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au through SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you have the chance, please go through and give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and we may actually read out your review at some in one of our future podcasts. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me. And of those eighty percent, and of those eighty percent, and we'll also discuss some coffee alternatives if you want your caffeine fix without the hackle. It's like a like a super fine fizz. Uh, it's like a super fine. Si, si, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> it's five millimeter milk gum uh, little pods that you can take into work. Um, Milliliter.
not millimetre.